was supposed to be, you know, fun and games, but obviously it it hasn't turned out that way. And as I said, if if I offended anybody in any way, shape, or form, I'm sorry. Tigers back, Tigers in trouble. John Rams, world number one, and Live Golf has returned. What is going on? Loads to talk about on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Hello, thank you for tuning in. My name is Michael McEwen. Delighted to have the pleasure, and it is a pleasure, of your company. So thank you for your time. As I said, look, what a packed show we have. I know I say that every week, but 120 episodes in, and there is always loads going on in golf that we need to discuss, and this is absolutely no different. As ever, looking forward to getting into it. Bunker editor Bryce Ritchie. Good morning, Mr. Ritchie. Good morning. How are we? Very well, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Good weekend. Yes, I went to St Andrews and oh, the home of golf. I went yes, to the home yes. of golf, darling, yes. and uh, I went to the cinema. I beg your pardon. Yeah, went all the wife was working, and I went all the way. She's working in St Andrews, and I went all the way to St Andrews to go to the cinema. Has anyone listening <laughs> ever been to the cinema? I St- have. Have you? I saw the Sevi documentary there. I was at the premiere. Oh, is of that the what Sevi it was? It must have been one hell of a small <laughs> premiere. It was cozy, is the word that we use. Yeah, well, I saw Puss in Boots. Uh-huh. And uh, it was... What's that uh, euphemism for? Oh, it was actually Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots, it, right? yeah, okay. yeah. They don't, they don't, what, what I thought the that was one of you your nicknames for a golfer or something like that. No, no. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible banter. Let's move on very quickly. Jesus, what a start. <laughs> you saw your phone me there. <laughs> uh, you know Puss what? That, that cinema, it's right next door to old Tom old Morris's Tom Morris old house. Old house, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen the wee boy. I was like, that is... He has no idea. He doesn't care. No. But, uh, yeah, I saw Puss in Boots. And the only thing I can say about the cinema in St Andrews is that their nachos are out of date. <laughs> and their cheese sauce is minging. Really? Yeah, it wasn't great. Popcorn's good. Right. It's hard and to make bad popcorn, to be fair. Yeah. It was. It was. So we did that. And then we went to the 19th hole in Ely. Ooh. For dinner, oh, which was nice. shout out to the 19th hole in Ely, and it was exceptional. Very good, absolutely exceptional. But I did realise I'm getting old. I've talked about being cold in the past and how I'm, I'm suffering from the cold. There was nobody playing the golf course at Ely at about five o'clock. Now, what it wasn't dark, but it was freezing. People in Fife are made of different stuff. I parked at the other side of the street outside 19th hole, and it was about a 15 feet to the front door and I genuinely thought I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's freezing. It's absolutely Baltic in St Andrews and Ely. Well, there you go. And I didn't even get time to go and see the patio or what was left of the patio. <laughs> I just drove to St Andrews, went to cinema, went for dinner and drove home. But so, a good time had by all by the sounds of things. A good time had by all. Apart from the temperature. Yeah. Apart from that, come to Scotland, visit us. It's very nice. You'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a jumper. <laughs> you say you're getting old. I know the feeling. It's your birthday today. I should be off today, incidentally. Yeah. yeah. I'll just take it next week. So. But you're not. I'm so not. you are 47. Easy. 39. 29 for the 30, 10th year running. 39. <laughs> yes, 39 years old. Years old. Mm-hmm. Next year is a huge year for you. Have you got a big year planned for your um, 40th? Actually, yes. We've had discussions. Really? There are plans in place already. If I last that long, there's no absolutely no guarantee I'll still be here in 12 months' yeah. time. You know, but 
I'll try and think positive about it and, you know, put aside some plans. Yeah. But yes, there are plans for it. But uh, it's funny, I always think of age in, now, in, I suppose I always have, but I think of age in terms of football. And there was a really sobering thought this morning, because it's pancake day as well, we can't overlook that. So, so my wee girl was up at like six o'clock because she wanted to make pancakes for daddy's birthday and all that sort of stuff. My wife was delighted, as yeah, you can imagine. Brilliant. And so she was all excited about that, up at the crack of dawn. And as I was lying there in bed, coming to slowly, pondering the existential crisis that <laughs> birthdays inevitably bring, it did occur to me that probably 99% of all professional footballers alive today are now younger than me. Yeah. And that's really weird because it doesn't feel that long since all footballers were older than me. I mean, now it's basically Alan McGregor and... Gianluigi Buffon, isn't it? They're, they're the yeah, two Alan that are McGregor. older. Alan McGregor's 40, isn't he? Is he 40? He, something like that, 40, yeah, 41. absolutely ridiculous. So, I guess, to put it in some kind of context, if I was a professional footballer, and it looks like that's now not going to happen, so I have to come to terms with yeah, that. Yeah, that ship has sailed. <laughs> I wouldn't just be on my last contract. I'd be like player-manager by this point. Yeah, you'd F be still an assistance role. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Moved into a coaching position like Kenny yeah. Miller. You'd be, where do you do? Is it Inverclyde? You do the like, coaching badges? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it is Inverclyde. It's down there, it's Some, Largs, isn't Somewhere it? like that. Yeah, that's where Jose Mourinho, or yeah, Jose, yeah. Jose, did his, his badges. Yeah, yeah. Badges. So, yeah. Brilliant. So a bit of a sobering thought, but yeah. incidentally, Ryder Cup Europe, it's now 10 past 11, so you've got just over 12 hours to... Get them to send you. <laughs> You've got do the right thing, lads. Uh, well, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> or else you'll see the mother of all meltdowns tomorrow. <laughs> That's out of order. I don't like that. <laughs> anyway, look, we could sit here and talk about birthdays till the cows come home. Let's not. Oh well, actually, can I tell you one thing? My wife came up trumps. The present, phenomenal. A wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did say that she'd mentioned to you about that, and you know, look for recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Top Gun. Maverick, uh-huh. I now have the aviators that he wore. Uh, absolutely true. Anyone that wears aviators needs body checked. No, I'm very, very happy. Honestly. Very happy. Quickly move on. So I'll be at Bunkered Live this weekend. No, you won't. You will like not that. be wearing them. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, like I said, loads and loads and loads to get into. It would be remiss of us, though, not to start without acknowledging the passing last week of John Paramore, former chief referee on the European DP World Tours. He was 67 years old, absolutely no age whatsoever, and had been apparently quite unwell for some time. News was a bit of a shock when it came. I don't know about you, but I didn't know that he was unwell. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone did. He was a formidable man, wasn't he, John Paramore? And a lovely man with it. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to be very confident in your abilities to do that job. I think well, the, the funny thing is, I think we've seen quite a few referees who are not like that at the moment mm-hmm. in golf. You know, there's a lot of second opinions. I don't think John Paramore would have stood for a few second opinions. Don't think he ever asked someone. Allowed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I only met him once. He partnered, this is years ago, he partnered with a, with a company at... For the life of me, I cannot remember what the company was. It was like a tech company or something to do with stats. Before and stats were a thing. Before probably. stats yeah. were a thing, yeah. And he was doing, he was doing some promo for them, and uh, I got his mobile number, text them. We met in the media center at uh, Loch Lomond, and we had a good chat. Oh, that far back. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we had lunch, 
and he was absolutely brilliant. Very for a guy who had quite an imposing personality in the golf course, like when he when he you know like when he looked, stepped off a cart towards a player, he looked <laughs> like oh shit, there's John Paramore. He looked like that sort of guy. It's like Kevin Hart. It's he, about to, to go, go down. down. But he was actually really soft spoken. He was mm-hmm. he was a a gentle giant. Mm-hmm. I just liked his uh, manner, and I, I I got the impression that he, although he had that aura of somebody who didn't care what people thought about about him, I think he probably did because he just had that. He was too nice, you know. But he had to do a job where you didn't need to be nice to people. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I think you you get a sense of just how good he was at his job yeah. and the highest esteem in which he was held by the the depth and sincerity of the tributes from players. Yeah. You know, a lot of them sharing their stories about getting into bother from him on social media since news of his passing broke. And yeah, he's he's clearly he didn't suffer fools. He didn't bend the rules. He was he was just exceptionally good at what he did. And I think the players respected that he knew more about the rules than yeah. they did. Yeah. I think that's still the case today, isn't it? Well yes, indeed it was. So yeah, very sad news and obviously the the thoughts and best wishes to John's family and friends from everyone at Bunkered. Right, Bryce, let's turn our attention to... <laughs> oh, God. Brace yourselves. Tiger Woods. Two parts to this, I think, we should split it into. Tiger's return to golf at the Genesis Invitational. Two very different parts. Let's deal with the golf first. This time last week, sitting in your dining room, which is very nice, by the way, Thanks. Now back in the soundproof studio, you can probably tell by the really? fact that it's not booming around the eaves. <laughs> like you can't hear my cat licking its ass. <laughs> that's what that noise was. Yeah, Jeez. that's what that noise is. I hear oh, it well. every day. Oh, well. But you're sitting in a... <laughs> sitting in Thanks, your, Calloway. Thank you, Calloway, as ever. Sorry, Calloway. In your dining room last week, we both said that we did not see Tiger making the cut. We were wrong. And I think we're probably quite pleased to be wrong. Absolutely. What did you make of Tiger's performance? Round one, round three, very good. Round two, round four, not so good. I know we predicted that he would probably miss the cut. I think I predicted that. We did, yes. Uh, I'll, I won't just throw you under the bus. We both said it was going to Probably, happen. Probably quite predictable. There was good bits and there was bad bits. He did sneak in uh, very late, but the guy made the cut. I think that is a huge achievement. It doesn't necessarily surprise me. I just think there's, I don't know, there's a there's a, a lot of opinion on whether he can come back and so on. I noticed that Ewan Murray from The Guardian did quite a good piece on um, his, his future and what we can expect and he get pounded for it. Absolutely slaughtered for it because, you know, the usual, yeah. how can you say, you're an idiot, you're going to write him off and only an idiot writes him off. And I, and I get that because there's the, some people are saying that, you know, he'll win multiple times. He birdied the first and people were going crazy. It sounds like he's only going to play at the most seven events a year. That's at the very most, I would yeah, say. Yeah, because he said he's going to play all the majors and a few more. So at the most, seven. Can I see him winning one of those events? I think golf's, he's not at, he's just not at John Ram's level. The only tournament, now this sounds ridiculous, the only tournaments I can see him winning are majors. It would not surprise me if he won the Masters because 
there's the nuances of the golf course, the drama, the theatre, the background. He doesn't get the nerves like anyone else would get the nerves. He would love that opportunity. And I would probably put the Open in there because it's... Unpredictability. Unpredictability of the Open. He knows how to get around the golf course better than anyone in history. If there's weather and he's on the right side of the draw, yeah, all, he's got 50% better of a chance. All those things sneak in. Mm-hmm. But a PGA Tour event, I, I can't see Tiger winning a PGA Tour event. And I know I'll probably regret that in three years, but the fact that he's already saying he's not going to play. Last year he was a wee bit, as typical, he was a bit blasé, he loves the drama, didn't want to say too much, but now he's come out and said, yeah, I'll play the majors if I can, and maybe a sprinkling of some other events. What determines a sprinkling? I don't even think it was as many as that, to be honest. I mean, a sprinkling sounds like there's five, six. If Tiger plays, I think you're right, seven feels like a good number just now, assuming he stays fit. He's got the four majors, Genesis is gone, that's us at five. I see him playing two other events because let's be honest, see after the Open, unless he does something stunning in the majors, he's not getting into the FedEx Cup playoffs, so you can write that out. He's not going to play the Wyndham. So you're talking about Tiger's season being condensed from now until the Open. And when you think about it in those terms, six events to get to that seven, given where he's at physically, that's actually quite a lot. You know, that's that's probably more than enough. So, like you, I thought good stuff, bad stuff last week. I thought he was, considering how little golf he's played competitive golf, I thought a short game was pretty damn good, to be fair. I thought he was awesome off the tee. The numbers backed that up. He was pounding drives. His ball speed was absolutely incredible. But there were obviously the sloppy mistakes in there as well. It's hard to sum it up because... I didn't see him making the cut. So on one hand, I have to be really impressed by what he's done. On the other hand, you have to be realistic and say, well, he turned up last week saying, I think I can win. And I saw absolutely nothing to suggest that he could. Yeah, and and, and I don't like to call out Tiger for stuff, but that I just think that's nonsense. Do you think he still uh, believes he can win? No. I think that is that, to me, is a sign of a bit too much arrogance coming to the floor there's no way deep down he thought he could win that event it's an actually it's a bit of an insult to John Ram <laughs> yeah. to say that you know and the rest of the players who are in form I mean Rory McIlroy was in phenomenal form and wasn't really a figure in that tournament True. Yep. so how does Tiger walk in there and think he can win but I think that's just he's exerting his mentality on the field and I get it it's part of the aura but it's bollocks let's, let's be honest it is and I get it. But the difference is when he turns up at Augusta, I genuinely think he will think he can win. And I think he can as well. And well, for a start, he's proven he can win there. He knows that golf course yeah. better than pretty much anybody else in yeah. the field. Or you, at least as good as the ones who know it most. You look, you look at the history of Riviera, everything about it, it just seemed insane for him to sit there and say that. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. But... He's never won at Riviera when he's been at his best. What yeah. makes him think he but can do it now when he's on one that, leg? But, yeah, that's part of his mentality, and isn't isn't it? And, and he takes that positive mindset everywhere. So I get it, but it was never going to happen. I do think though, when you were watching him, it was at the Friday night, and he was sitting on the bench, and he it was the second tee, took his shoe off. Oh yes, and he had the, the strapping. You think if that had happened to, let's see. If that injury had happened to Xander Schofley, 
do you think he would be playing? I think Tiger mm. is. I think Tiger is really pushing it. I mean, that looks like that's a lot of work. I mean, he is he's struggling to walk, but the difference is it's the whole. Is it is it genuine or is it real? I think it's real. I do think he looks as though that, he is that genuinely. Not put on. No, it's not put on. He is genuinely struggling, and the part of me thinks, why, you know, and if that was another player, would they be doing what Tiger's doing now? I'm not sure they would. I think some other guys would have thrown the towel in. Anthony Kim did. It depends on what your insurance policy says, I suppose. Allegedly. I reckon Tiger's insurance policy <laughs> is rather rich. I I dare say. I dare say. Look, the speculation you hinted at it earlier is now about where he's going to play next. Some people have suggested the Arnold Palmer Invitational next week at Bay Hill, considering he's won there, what, seven, eight times. I'm not seeing that. Not in a million years. I think he's got all of this week to rest and recover. Why go there next week and try and put himself through it again? That leaves then the Players' Championship in a few weeks' time. Again, he's I'm, not got a hugely successful no. record there, and that golf course is too hard for him. Yeah, that's a the hard, other thing. It's difficult. Will he be under pressure from behind the scenes influences to show up? Because we've spoken about this before. The players is diluted this year because of those who've gone hugely, to live, yeah. and the it's a good point. The gap between. The players and the USPGA, for example, the least of the four majors, let's be honest, was narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. Now it's been pushed all the way back. Do you need Tiger in there to give it something, to take the attention away from the fact that the defending champions yeah, don't play, for example? I, I don't think for a minute that Jay Monaghan picks the phone up and says, Tiger, anytime you could turn up. I, I, I don't see them having that power over mm -hmm. Tiger. They've, they've never had it. I also don't see him doing it at the players unless, unless something changes, but that would give him two or three weeks recovery time before the Masters, and that's the one he wants. So let's say he does play the players and ends up, there's a flare-up of plantar fasciitis. doesn't have enough of a turnaround to be in good physical condition yeah, I, I think, to go to Augusta. I think he would prefer to go to Augusta for a, for some prep. Yeah. That's what I, I would see that. And I know he's said that he's playing three or four rounds a week in order to get up to speed, but that's different when it's competitive rounds. Mm -hmm. You know, that's... Yeah, uh, we've listen. We continually speculate, and we love it. But where do you see him playing next? Augusta. Yeah, I can't see him playing before Augusta. I'm with you. I don't see the. That's his big chance. I think that would be a risk if he went out and and made it worse. Because you look at him, you think we saw him at St Andrews, right? That was God knows how long ago. What eight months ago? Eight nine months. Yeah. He didn't look. Let's be honest. He didn't look great. We're now eight nine months down the line. And he still looks like he's in physical pain. Why risk it? I think he looks like he's more in discomfort now than pain. St Andrews, he I, looked I, sore. Yeah, now he just I, looks like he's yeah, managing the problem. You're right, yeah. But it, it looks uncomfortable. Definitely, it doesn't look yeah. like a lot of fun. You know, but we, we've got no idea. But we're saying Augusta. Augusta. <laughs> right, that's the golf. Let's park that because it is something that we, we cannot ignore. We should not ignore the... Tampon prank with Justin Thomas. We've all seen it now, so I'm going to spare you the recap. Let's just get into the nuts and bolts of this one. Bryce, when you saw what Tiger did, your reaction? I thought it was crass. Listen, the big picture is everyone's saying the same thing. It's, you know, is it offensive? Is it insulting? It didn't offend me. I'm not a woman. It didn't offend me. 
But try explaining that to somebody who is a woman, and I I can get why people would be kind of like uh, disappointed by it. He's gone out of his way to put that in his bag. It's premeditated. premeditated. It's, I know it's an in-joke. Listen, we've all made stupid jokes. We've all sent WhatsApps that we probably wouldn't want your employer to see. Let's just be honest. We've all done and said stupid things. But we don't do them in public on a golf course. When you're making that type of comeback, he is under the microscope. I just thought that was a bit... I actually thought it was quite immature for a guy of his standing, of his stature, with his history and all the things he said he wants to change, that it was a bit of a stupid thing. I'll get pounded for that because yeah. it's the whole, you know, you're a you can't joke about anything anymore. It's not. It's not really about that. Yeah. It was. It's. It wouldn't have been funny. It wouldn't have been really been that funny fifteen years ago. Never mind now. But even though, if he'd made it fifteen years ago, and I know there was things about Fred Funk's wearing a skirt and stuff, but that was different. The world has changed from fifteen years ago. We are a bit more understanding and inclusive and in how we move forward to be better people. And I think he's not gone with that. I think he's stuck in the past when he when he when he thinks that's a funny joke to make on a golf course in front of everyone. Imagine making that golf course that 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 joke in front of nearly quarter. You know, I just you know, it's disappointing. Yeah. Listen, you say you're gonna get pounded. You probably will, because I've seen how social media has responded to it. And for what it's worth, I completely agree with you. Um, you used the word crass, and I can't think of a better one to use. It was crass, it was immature, it was also totally unnecessary. Like, to do it there, on the ninth, And it wasn't like he was sharing the joke, making into what the joke was, if you like. But it wasn't like he was sharing that with everyone. He was, it was meant to be just for him and Justin Thomas, but this is a guy that spent his entire life with cameras pointed at him. He must have known that somebody was going to pick up on it. Of course he knew. And that, that's the thing. It's like, it's, and I'm not against, uh, by any means, I'm not against male bravado, but that's what it was. Mm. And sometimes that backfires and it backfires mm. spectacularly on him. I, I, it's funny. A few people have looked at it and said, you know, so what, what is the joke? And those trying to defend it as just a joke and a bit of bants have been saying, oh, you know, he's, he's not having a go at women, he's having a go at the fact that Justin Thomas doesn't hit it that far or as far as him. And that's, I'm sorry, that's just bollocks. He's, he can make that joke a number of ways. I know. Uh, that, but that, he's taking a tampon because the inference is... He doesn't you, hit it that far yeah, because he's a woman. Yeah, exactly. Now, the thing is, Tiger wouldn't have said, you're hitting it like a woman, Justin. Mm-hmm. But that's tantamount to the same thing, isn't it? It was just it so. Yeah. It was crap. Uh, I think it was poor form, rightly or wrongly. I think we expect people like Tiger, who are in those positions, who are role models, to be better than that. And people say that's unfair. No, it's not unfair. He is in the public eye. He his, how he behaves influences and informs behaviour in other people. You mentioned his history with women as well. It's just all things considered. I just thought it was rotten and i think it was really sad to see women getting pounded on as you say you're not offended by it i'm not offended by it because i'm not the butt of the joke yeah. i can't be offended eventually it became a popularity contest of who's popular and who's backing them and there was a few quite high profile female influencers who said it was hilarious and stuff and i just think that's typical mm-hmm. you know you always take that sort of opposite view straight away to mm-hmm. try and be different to the rest of the narrative and stuff. Yeah. And I just thought that was a bit. I had a guy get in touch with me saying, Oh, well, you know, Ricky Gervais talks about comedy and says, you know, it's 
you know, you can joke about anything. Couple of things on that. One, yes, you can joke about anything. I would absolutely defend Tiger's right to make that joke. I just think it, he was wrong to do it. I think it was unnecessary. And I think it was a, objectively unfunny yeah, joke. There's a huge difference between somebody he's also like Ricky not Virgin. a comedian. Yeah, yeah. He's, context he's is an absolutely People everything. understand that it's the context of a comedian on a stage. It is just a joke. Mm-hmm. But this is a... This is one of the world's top golfers effectively making a sexist joke. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to an audience. So we're getting the full context of what he's saying. And I think that's just a bit, you can't be that narrow-minded and think, well, if if Ricky Gervais says it's okay, then it's okay. It's not. I'd also encourage those people who are taking that line from Ricky Gervais out of context go and listen to some of the interviews that he's done where he explained his process. Uh The unfortunate thing for, there's been a couple of people who've sent me that on social media. The unfortunate thing for them is, I love Ricky Gervais and I have read dozens of interviews with him. I've listened to loads of podcasts with him. I actually know a bit more about how he does jokes and the context of them. There's a great interview that he did on Vibe Live just before Christmas, I think start of December, with Nahal Arthanaika, an hour-long show, which is now available as a podcast. Go and listen to that when you finish listening to this and educate yourself about how those jokes are built and uh, who the butt of the joke is. Yeah. Because, by the way, in this instance, it wouldn't be women. No. It's not the same platform. You can't compare. It's exactly. Exactly. So, no, I thought it was really poor from Tiger. It, it overshadowed the comeback. It overshadowed the week, to be completely honest, I thought. but Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a disastrous comeback. In, in the grand scheme of things, he, he made a hash of it. Mm-hmm. This could have been a chance for the guy to come back, make a cut, and everyone's talking about holy hell, this guy made a cut. Look at the players that didn't make that cut, and Tiger did. Tiger's not had a competitive ball in a PGA Tour event for so long, but we're talking about this. I thought it was a massive own goal. Yeah, spot on. Oh, we're going to get grief, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care either. I had some guy message me saying, um, you'll love this. I know why you're uh, saying that you think he was wrong to do that, but just remember, the vast majority of your followers are men, so make sure that your opinions reflect that. <laughs> what? <laughs> so like, my opinions are my opinions, irrespective of who well, my Twitter followers yeah, are. Yeah, Anyhow, there's one follower gone. Possibly many more. John Ram, world number one again, Bryce, at last. Seemed for, like he was going to be stuck in world number five forever, but here he is, world number one. What a heater he is on, as they would say. Another win. What's that? Five wins in nine global starts. Outrageous. Global starts. People would say it was Tiger-esque. <clears throat> Scottish Scheffler-esque, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. It's Tiger-esque since the last guy was Tiger-esque, apparently. But you can't deny he is on remarkable form. Even when he's not winning, he's finishing second, third, fourth. What's going on? Why Why is he playing so well? What's the deal? He's probably quite pissed off when he heard Rory said that he was the best golfer <laughs> in the world a couple of weeks ago. And now he's third, Rory. Yeah. So, uh, uh, listen, as we said before, at the summit of world golf, there's no doubt that he's the form player. Will he be the form player after the Masters? We don't know. We said the same things this time last year about, well, not quite this time last year, but Scott Scheffler, he did the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. he won... He won four, won the Masters. And then he did win the Masters, by the way. He did win the Masters. And then never won again. So, it's how hot he... How long can he stay 
in this form. It just golf doesn't work like that. He's he's unlikely to stay like this until the open. That's just the way it is. But right now, he's um, can he's he stay like this until the Masters? Don't know, because we both said I don't at know. the start of the year was it the end of last that we think this is Rory's year to win the green jacket. Yeah, and it's not like Rory's lost form. He he putted badly last week and the yeah. week before. I, I do think that Rory is when Rory putts well. I think the rest of his game is pretty good. I think when Rory puts well, he gets momentum and he gets self belief from that. You can see it in his face. Mm-hmm. Body language is all. Body language all is everything. And and I didn't think Rory, to be fair, the first round, second round, I didn't think Rory Rory really did a huge amount wrong. Just if you can't hold putts, you cannot hold putts. Yeah. And I think he's got a massive self belief. You can't deny it. John Ram is just he's playing the golf of his life. He deserves to be the world number one, no doubt about it. I think he'll get all the plaudits going into Augusta. If he keeps this up, Augusta, to be honest, Augusta isn't far away. Does he now replace Rory as the favourite for the green jacket? No, because it, what, what's going to happen in the next three, four weeks if Rory goes out and, you know, plays really well? You, you just don't. At the moment, right here, right now, you'd be mad to say anyone else than John Ram's going to win the green jacket. But what a record he's got at Augusta, by the way. Ram, yeah. Yep. Made his debut in 2017. Since then, so tied 27th, 4th, 9th, 7th. Fifth and last year was twenty seventh. Yeah, Rory's decent. Rory's record at the Masters is outrageous as well. So John Ram doesn't have scar tissue and he doesn't have a career Grand Slam prospect weighing on him. So yeah. that's that's just my. I genuinely I, I don't know how much that will impact Rory. Oh well, well it has to history to be made. But I think after the first round, it will impact him. Depend, all depends on what Rory does in the first day. Again, we're starting a Masters preview <laughs> because we're so <laughs> Yeah, I think Ram, he'll be, he'll just be hoping to keep it going. Yeah. As the, whenever anyone gets hot, how do you keep it going? And uh, everything he does just turns to gold. It seems that way just now. Let's switch gears. Live Golf is back. It's first events taking place in Mexico in a few days' time. Maya Coba. The first event of 14, second season of Live, now called the Live Golf League, gets underway this week. And we now know all of the players who are going to be playing on it. So the 48 players split into their 12 teams. The rosters, Bryce, the rosters are set. First up, we'll get into the players in a sec. Who's your team? <laughs> I did the... I did, someone sent me a link to do the like some sort of... I don't, what, it's what a do team you, picker. A team picker on their website. Yeah. Anyone listening, go onto the Live website and do it. It's actually quite funny. It's quite, and I'm not taking the piss. I think it's quite good. It's genuinely good fun. It is quite good. And you get asked like, what kind of animal do you most associate yeah. with? You know, dolphin or bear and whatever. Yeah, all sorts of <laughs> <laughs> type of person are you? And you have to click all these things, and then it says, "Well, we think this team is your team," and I, my team was Aces. Which I think the forties is, is that Dustin Johnson. Those are the defending champions, your glory hunter. Well, there we are, always the champions. <laughs> so yeah, that's who I picked. Well, that's who was picked for you. Yeah, well, yeah. well, through my destiny, uh, decided machine learning memory on the website. <laughs> AI, was AI. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought it was uh, brilliant. Yeah, I got crushers. Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I might try it again with some different answers. <laughs> You mean you're going to lie? Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't like dolphins. <laughs> it's objectively quite good fun, that part of it. 
there is a serious element to it, though. Obviously, some players have now decided that they want to be on live and they're turning their backs, blah, 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 on PGA Tour, DP World Tour. There was a lot of talk the last couple of months of last year about who those new signings could be. Names that kept coming up, Xander Schofley, Patrick Cantley, Ricky Fowler was thrown in there, Cameron Champ, none of them. So Thomas Peters is the highest ranked player to have jumped ship, world number 34. He is part of Bubba Watson's range goats. Then you've got Mito Pereira, obviously the great run at the PGA last year. He is in Torque with fellow Chilean Joaquin Neiman as captain. Sebastian Munoz has joined them there as well. Dean Burmester has joined Stinger, the de facto South African team. Why are you smiling? I'm not smiling. And Brendan Steele has joined the high with a Y Flyers, captained by Phil Mickelson, after saying a few weeks ago that he wasn't going to go to love. Cut it whatever way you want. But I don't believe that those players, those six players, are the ones that live would have been targeting. We know they're not, because Greg Norman said he was going after players in the world's top 20, and the best he could get was world number 34. How do you assess the guys who've gone there and lives recruiting efforts over the close season, as it were? Uh, yeah, I think you can see a lot from what goes on in players' heads from Full Swing on Netflix. I watched the first episode, and I know we're deviating here, but what the hell. I saw the first episode with Jordan and my my good friend uh, Mike Thomas, mm-hmm. whose son happens to be Justin. Surprised you weren't mentioned in it, Bryce, but there you go. Yeah, I, I, I find that strange as well. Yeah. Um, so that episode was crap, and I moved <laughs> on to the second episode, which was really good. You, you are going into the, the realms of part two here, so the one back with, on topic. The one with Brooks. Yes. I, I don't know what anyone else thought when they watched that, but I was stunned when I watched that because I thought that guy has effectively... Brooks. Yeah. 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 He's given up. He, he looks like he's thrown the towel in. He's, he's a beaten man. He has no idea how to change it. He can't get out of it. He said things like, you know, these guys are better than me. You know, I, I, I just can't do can't what they do. Can't keep up with Scottish. I can't keep up. And it was like he's effectively beaten. And then Jenna, his wife, said things like, you know, we're worrying about our future. He hasn't won an event for a while and, and blah, 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 blah. And somebody's come in and said, here's a hundred million. And he's gone. And I wonder if that's the, the thing behind Thomas Peters. Thomas Peters hasn't exactly set the world on fire. Became a bit of a star a few years ago, but hasn't quite moved forward. And I'm wondering whether there's demons in there where he's thought, bollocks to this. Yeah, money's a powerful agent when you've got doubt. Yeah, someone said, and I, I, we have no idea how much he's getting, but if you were to think off 10 the top million of your head, up front, reportedly. 10 million. So if you are Thomas Peters, what age is Thomas Peters? Early 30s, 31, I think he is. I just wonder if Thomas Peters has gone, you know what, I'm not bothered about DP World. I'm, I'm not going to play in an event where there's possibility of playing an event like. <sighs> Something this week in the DP World Tour, where it's not, let's be honest, it's not derogatory, it's not a great field. Or last week, it was the DP the events Indian Open this so week, far. Thailand Classic last week, yeah. the fields were not. With the exception amazing. of Dubai, these are not great fields. Whether Thomas Peters feels he wants to turn up and not win, not get, not get a big payday, spend a lot of money and travel, and have all those expenses gather up over the next five to six years, has he just thought, you know what, nah. He's also not getting into the big PGA Tour events. I mean, yeah. we saw him tweeting last week about not getting into the Genesis. He was pretty miffed. I wonder how much of a 
a factor that played in his decision making? I am pretty sure someone from the PGA Tour will have known that he was in negotiations. That's what it seems very strange. Not he's a world number thirty four. What the PGA Tour needs is as many from the top fifty in mm. the events. Why wouldn't they pick him? You know that seems very odd. So I suspect that they probably heard he was uh, in negotiations and said no. And then he spat the dummy a wee bit. But speculating there, to be fair. Absolutely, of course I'm yeah. speculating. But I, I just find it very strange why they wouldn't pick mm-hmm. him. Why wouldn't he get an invite? He, he is. They lead to hoover up as many top 50 players in the world. And there's only 33 better than him according yeah. to the rankings. So it seemed quite strange. I just think that the decision-making behind the scenes with these guys is... A lot. It's not about world rankings, as I've said before. It's not. Re- a lot of these guys don't give two hoots about heritage and history, and they don't care about going to Bay Hill and the history mm-hmm. of like. That's just not interested. That's Legacy not and all that yeah. sort of stuff's not important to a lot I think of guys. Some guys' money is important. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny if you look. So let's say 120 grand for last place on live. Let's say you finish last in all 14 events this season. Your team doesn't get anything. Right, you don't. You don't get on the podium, baby. That's 1.68 million for finishing last every week. Which isn't going to happen. That's, I mean, by the way, that is the utter worst, worst case scenario. You're guaranteed a payday because at least one of those events your team might win, which is another million, something like that. Look at Pat Perez. Pat Perez basically Eight million turned up and played like me <laughs> and won nearly 10 million quid. A bit harsh on yourself there. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's mad. So the money that they're playing for is out of this world. Mm-hmm. Genuinely is. And I think if you put guys in who are maybe worried about an injury or worried about their future or, you know what, sometimes their heart's just not in it. Mm-hmm. You go to an event and you've been to tour events, you you can start, I'm not going to name names, but you can go to a tour event, you can watch a player on the range and you know. You just know. You don't give a shit. Yeah. See, if you made the cut, you wouldn't be that bothered. Going through the motions. Going through the motions. There's loads of guys like that on tour. Loads of guys. That's Mm -hmm. why guys like Ram, Rory, Scheffler, they're made of different stuff because they don't go through the motions. Mm -hmm. They do try. That's why they're not overweight. That's why they work hard. They just have different... Their their skill level isn't a million miles different from someone who's finishing 70th. It's just the fact that they determine themselves to make themselves better by every single week. It's a good point because we we kind of assume that because they're on tour, everyone has the same personality and that's just just total nonsense. A lot of guys are built differently. Of course, you know, the same way that not all journalists are the same and not all doctors are the same. You're doing the same job, but you're different people and you've got different motivations. So, of course, if someone dangles guaranteed money in front of you, depending on your personality, you're going to say yes or no. That's how Liv has succeeded to this point. On the point of success, though, what does that look like for Liv this year? What what do you class as a successful season if we were to jump I'm, forward to November? I've got absolutely no idea. I mean, what would you... You answer that question. <laughs> Throwing me under the bus there. You answer that question. I think what they would want would be solid viewership figures on TV, CW Network, you know, people are going to criticise it and so on. It will be on TV this year, so that's the bit that they need to to get because that's, as people at Live have said themselves, that's validation that comes with people watching. You can measure it. That's where your interest is. They need to get partners on board in terms of sponsors. Again, as much as anything, not only to provide some cash back into the business, but to show they're accepted by the business world, that they see value in it. 
And I guess the final element is merchandising through the teams. If you see people, kids, whatever, walking around with four aces t-shirts or wearing a, a live golf team hat on a golf course this year, I think they will say, excellent, we're going places. Yeah, they've, they've it's moved, a long, long haul moved. to get there, but they need to get that. Yeah, the financial back, the, the financial backing of the whole tour has to come from outside sources. It has to come from this franchise concept. So I think by the end of the year, if that's up and running and all, all the teams have a financial backer, then you can't, that would be success. That's what they're there for. Live is not here to be funded by PIF. It's not here Spot to on. be funded by the Saudis. It's an investment, hence the name. It has to have long-term investment, and the only way they're going to get that is if someone else is funding it. Mm-hmm. PG Tour doesn't fund itself. No. Teams <laughs> like, you know, Honda. Yeah. There's these huge multi-million, billion companies are funding the success of the PG Tour. Live has to be the same. It's not going to exist. It's how it's done it in other sports. So at the end of the year, that's what they have. I'm, I'm led to believe that we'll get an announcement on one of the teams soon. Merchandising is coming. Let's be honest. There's going to be an e-commerce site where you can yeah, buy I think gear. That, I think their merch is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, if, I also think they've missed a trick, the PG Tour, in promoting the PG Tour's merch. Mm-hmm. If you go to Sawgrass, like the, yeah. the merch shop in Sawgrass, absolutely brilliant. I would buy everything. I mean, I'm, I'm a merch geek. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I would buy everything in Sawgrass if I was allowed. But they get things right, don't they? But in isolation, Sawgrass being one example, yeah. Riviera, not so much most recently, but a couple of years ago with the Riv hats that were doing the rounds. Yeah. It's stuff like that. It's, There's wee why, things that why they aren't they making more of yeah, it? Yeah, they could do more of it, and I bet they will when they, they, will when now, they get yeah. going. But I mean, the, the, the video they released a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Liv did of announcing the teams and... I thought that was cheesy as hell, but you can't do that. It was really well done. Yep. I said to you at the time, it's different. And that is the entire point yeah. of live. See if they produce something that looked like the PGA Tour could have made it or would have made it. What's the point? Yeah. That's not what they're that's not why they're here. So yeah. I guess long answer to that question, but the short one being success this year just looks like progress. They're not going to recoup the <laughs> hundreds of millions they've spent this year. That's a long term thing but they need to be able to show that there is a path towards that and that that path they are making strides down it. Does that make sense? Yeah. We'll see. Will you be watching? Is it not going to be highlights in the States? It's not going to be live? Unclear as yet. We're expecting an announcement yesterday, but it hasn't come. Yeah, the rumour is that it's not technically going to be live. It's going to be like... Tape delay. Yeah, tape delay. Mm Mm-hmm. Bit like Scottish football on the BBC. Whoa. Whoa. And on that note, we'll go into the break. Do not go anywhere. Loads more coming, including a brand new feature that may or may not be making its first and last appearance. Do not go anywhere. Everyone expects distance from their driver. We're shifting the paradigm to deliver far more than that. We constructed the first ever 360 carbon chassis. It's 44% lighter than titanium, shifting weight to actively enhance both distance and forgiveness. Now you get 15% tighter downrange dispersion in our longest driver ever. This is the new paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. Big week for us coming up, Bunkered Live taking place 
at the NEC in Birmingham from this Friday until this Sunday. If you are even remotely close to Birmingham and the NEC, do come along. It's going to be a great few days. Bryce and I, we're heading down on Thursday and you're driving? Uh, yes. So we may or may not make it? <laughs> if possible. So if Very you're possible. driving us down, we'll be there on Saturday. Because you do indeed drive slow enough to drive, oh, I drive safe. Safe, is it? Right, okay. So we'll be back probably next Wednesday if all goes to plan. But no, Bunkered Live taking place this weekend. Do suggest that you come along. We've got some great guests as well that are going to be there. We've got Seb on golf, Seb Carmichael Brown. We've got Dr. Golf, who made his debut on the front cover of Bunkered, Zach Gould. Uh, we have Joe Miller, two-time world long drive champion and makes Bryce look tiny. I won't say what he does to me by extension. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, James Robinson as well. Oh, one of the biggest and best golf YouTubers out there. Loads and loads happening. So please do come along. Go to BunkeredLive.com for tickets and use the promo code BUNKERED30. That's BUNKERED30. And we'll give you some money off because you're a loyal podcast listener. Are we going to be doing some sort of podcasty, discussion-y type thing as well? No. no. No, we're not, no. What are we doing? Yeah, we are. Yeah, all right, okay. So we might actually be doing like almost a, a live podcast. No, it won't be a podcast. We'll just be talking mince on a stage for 30 minutes. So this, this minus the minus recording and, and in front of a, a live yeah. audience. Like Westlife without the music. Are we going to have stools? Yeah. Excellent. And when we leave the stage, like we're going into... Westlife without the music. When we leave the stage, <laughs> we're going into big white robes, sweat blankets and stuff and like handlers. Looking forward to that. Yeah. What's your, what's your rider? Uh, yeah, somebody said that. So what M&M's do you not want? Oh, I saw the M&M's. I don't, I don't eat m Think big. Think big. Yeah, I, I don't drink alcohol. I'm, I'm pretty much, oh, right, okay. pretty much uh, clean. What's Sorry, ladies and gents. It's Bryce's two months of taking fitness what's, seriously. What's, so what's come back rider? to us in April. I actually don't know what I want. Greg's. <laughs> Are there Greg's in Birmingham? Yeah. Listen, Birmingham. First time I've ever been to Birmingham. Right. And I, I'm going for a balti. Uh, did you know that in Birmingham, which is only half an hour from where we're going to be, there's a balti triangle. A balti triangle. A balti triangle. I worked. I wondered if Google Maps was taking the stuff piss. bunker live. I'm going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a restaurant in Birmingham called Shababs right. in the balti triangle, and it's meant to be brilliant. Let's get the let's get the best balti in Birmingham. So one night we are going. Very much looking forward to it. And if you do come along, come up and say hi. You know, we don't mind that. I'm the tall one, Michael's the little one that's up to my knees. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's the end of the show, ladies and gents. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Full swing, Bryce. We spoke a little bit about this last week. We had Chad Mum, exec producer, on the week before last. You finally caught up. Ish. Yeah, I did. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even look at the notes. I didn't realise we were going to talk about yeah. this. So I, you yeah, must be thanks. absolutely fuming when I was really about pissed off. Mike. That's why I said, "Can you just get back well, on topic?" Mike, uh, Mike Thomas saved the first episode because I thought, "Where, where are you?" Before we get, to I'm it, only like, on it. I've done two episodes. What? Yes, I've only done two. It came out a week ago, and you've I done know, two. I've had other things to do. <laughs> I'm trying to watch it with my wife, but she's. I'm going to be honest; she's not interested. She doesn't give a toss. That bodes well. I know. The only, she did enjoy the second episode more than the first one. And because she thought Jenna was a bit annoying. Mrs. Kepka. 
Mrs. Kepka, yeah. yeah. There was a funny that. dynamic there. Did like the Brooks bit where he's sitting in the bedroom, staring at thin air, thinking on a about, swing. Yeah, thinking about why he's uh, why his golf swings a bit too much on the inside and the takeaway, and she's sitting putting on bikini covers and stuff, mm-hmm. and it was just brutal. My favourite bit of that episode, it's when he's having this crisis of confidence and he does the one tree hill thing of walking down walks down the jetty and just stares out at a pond and you're thinking oh that's a real shame and then you remember what is his crisis exactly yeah yeah yeah. what is four-time major champion former world number one minted brooks kepka's crisis so on One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, they walk out onto a little jetty and stare at the lake. Yeah, and they then don't a, walk then past a, their own a three, a, yacht. A three-piece acoustic band with a female singer start playing a ballad. <laughs> but what they, as I'm saying, what they don't do is go past their yeah, yeah, own yeah, yeah. boat. It's bad. She said we're worried. He hasn't won an event for a couple of years and we're worried about the future. They're in a $14 million house. His boat is worth more than my house. His jetty is private. His pool is huge. He's wearing like a $30,000 watch and you think, first world problems, man. Yeah. Like, that, that is, but that that's part of the appeal of it because it's, I think that's why people watch these awful, like, programs because it's just a different life to theirs. Like the hills. Whatever that is. Is that the one with the... Don't know, I've just heard it. Right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the hills. You do know what that is. Real Housewives of... Yeah, those those, those programs, those programs, maybe want to kill myself. How anyone watches that crap? Just dross. But for a good couple of minutes, I imagine that's what the Brooks and Jen episode mm-hmm. was like. But I, I mean, look at the house that he's in. I know it's mind blowing. Woe is me indeed. The star of the show was his dog. I want to hang out with a dog. Yeah, jumping into the pool like it was. It was great fun. Yeah. So I'm I'm led to believe that episode three is the Ian Poulter one. Well, yes, I get my 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 opportunity yeah. to have my say. And I think I was having some private DMs with somebody back and forth on Twitter last week, and somebody said the same thing. Is I actually think Poulter will be good because I think he knows his place, and I think he's quite uh, expand. He's, he's quite prepared to play that part where he's a bit outspoken and a bit. I think Poulter knows that he's not the greatest golfer in the world. But he's a big personality, and he's got opinions, and he'll share them no matter what. And I thought I quite like that. I think he's quite honest. I, I think mm. there's probably a bit of bullshit mm. with Poulter. That's the bit I disagree with. I think everything you said there is absolutely right. But I'll get your feelings when you've seen the episode. But I thought he was of all the players featured across the eight. He's the one that's most aware of the cameras and. Potentially the one that's enjoying it the most. It's oh, very yeah. performative. Oh, I, 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 well, yeah, I can imagine there are things him enjoying that he does it. I thought Jordan Spieth was terrible on it. Oh, absolutely. But there are things that Ian Poulter does in his episode that I would bet good money he has never done before in his life. But suddenly cameras are on him and, ooh, go time. Yeah. So I actually, I enjoyed his episode, but I didn't enjoy his contribution to it, if that makes any sense. Jordan Spieth, I agree. I didn't think he came across particularly well. Brooks, I thought, came across as very honest. It's just he came across like I think what he is, which is a jock. Yeah. So there are better episodes ahead. Yeah. I will well, say. I, I, what are you thinking for, of it so far? Yeah. After the first episode, I thought if I never watched the rest of it, I probably wouldn't miss much. But I'm glad I watched the second episode, like the next night. So I'm I'm keen to dive in. Okay. Think I'll be doing it on my own though. 
<laughs> Mrs. Ritchie, what, what does she like to watch? What you know, like Same as married me. at first sight. No, we don't. That, all those programs are banned in my house because they rot your brains. So you're not allowed to watch crap like that. All banned. Interesting. Love Island banned. Oh, to hell with that. Celebrity in forests or jungles, wherever they go, banned. In forests. Yeah, Dancing in Ice banned. Yeah. Strictly banned. Make an exception for Strictly. Pish. I'm going to be on it one day. See when this podcast takes off, Bryce. I'll be doing the Argentine tango with Amy Dowden. Preferably. <laughs> Never heard of her. Move on. Okay, something new. So I get bored of having to make up questions for you. So I thought, sod it, I'm going to throw it out there to listeners. And we have a listener's mailbag, if you will. Some thoughts that people want us to discuss, some topics that people want us to discuss. We'll start at Feral Golfer. Is Tiger's ongoing story helping or hindering professional golf progress? Helping. Are you kidding me on? You seen the crowds? Is that all you've got to say on that? Of course it's helping golf. I mean, get- I, I get the other point, which is there are other stories, and this come I get this all the time from only a certain number of people, admittedly, but it's why can't they focus on other guys in the field? I get all that, but those other guys are not Tiger Woods. And my, my point is that I've said this a million times. What's golf going to do when he calls it? Because it's not going to be the same. This is a quarter of a century of absolute stardom that's going to leave our sport. And that creates a void. I don't care what anyone says. Rory and, and Ram and Scotty Scheffler and Spieth and Thomas and Phil are big names. But they're not Tiger Woods. He's and above, they, multiple levels above. He, he, he is a, an absolute superstar icon basketball so had the same concerns that. when Michael Jordan left then they got Shaquille O'Neal not the same and now they have LeBron who arguably is the he same is a, he is a big star Yeah, but I mean I'm not knowledgeable enough about basketball I couldn't say whether Michael Jordan's got the same star power as football LeBron you know Maradona back in the 80s yeah, were people worried about him back yeah, then leaving? no but football's different it's just all, all football's different because there's so many big stars I mean, there's Messi and so and, who's going to replace him and Ronaldo Mbappe and there's no doubt Mbappe's a huge star and Mbappe's not going to be at PSG he's going to move is he and when a he footballer does, though because Messi and Ronaldo's success is built on the fact that they are extraordinary yeah, footballers then I, became but, famous but I don't think Mbappe anyone, I see more of a celebrity first but, than a footballer yeah but I don't think anyone will will compare them in that sense it's about superstardom it's about megastars and, and that's what he is regardless of whether he's as talented as Messi or Ronaldo or Jota <laughs> Make it. Diogo Jota, Liverpool no, striker. No. Yeah, yeah. no, you know what I'm talking about. Eat and Sleep Golf asks, Peters to live seems like a good signing, but are the recent additions underwhelming given previous rumours and the fact it's less than a year in? I mean, we have kind of covered this already, but less than a year in is actually an interesting point. It's early days and have they lost momentum? I think that's the point that he's making. Yes, I would say so. I don't think they... I think they would have wanted a bit more star power to launch their second season and they haven't got it but I do think that if Liv get off the ground this year and it's successful and it gets credibility and people watch it and the sponsors that come in and there's a wee bit of momentum with it I could see one or two big stars joining for next year oh okay care to throw any names of course not Kevin McHugh, Kevin McHugh is not one of the names, obviously. Kevin McHugh asks... He would love to join Liv. <laughs> Kevin, let us know. How much did they offer you? He asks, oh, Jesus, wait till you see where this question goes. 
might give an insight into whether or not he has been approached. Kevin, is golf becoming an upper-class sport? I booked a few rounds of late, all on, all in Scotland, and none of them are under £100. A few are over £200. Whilst playing these courses is an awesome experience, I do feel rounds are getting almost stupidly expensive. Oh, my word. <laughs> Listen, there's no doubt it's expensive when you play top the trophy courses, but you don't play those courses all the time. I know Kevin. Kevin oh, do you? Yeah, Kevin is... Uh, we're Twitter friends. Are you? Yeah. Kevin's, we've shared our experiences and DMs on our uh, back pain. We've both suffered from back pain. He's a mad keen oh, golfer. He, he is a mad keen golfer. He he plays like five times a day. So he's probably different to some other golfers. But trophy courses are not courses that you play every month. They're, they are expensive, but they are one-offs. I mean, Dumbarney's been here for how many years? Three It'll be going into its third season. Yeah, I think I've played it twice. Maybe three times. I'm not going to play it four or five times a year. Mm-hmm. So I can guarantee that that, that that green fee is acceptable for that. But I know the whole thing about the, the, the increase in green fees and the facts of the matter are that golf clubs in Scotland have all increased their green fees in the last two years. That's a fact. But Scotland's still the most affordable place i think in the world to play golf really across the across the what do you call it the the playing level playing field still the most affordable place pound to play for golf pound. pound for pound still the most affordable in the next issue as you're well aware we're going to do the top so it's good timing kevin we're going to do the top 50 golf courses in the uk not just scotland in the uk for under 50 pounds so when you go out there and you don't have a huge amount, you don't have, you know, £170 for a round of golf sitting there waiting, this is the list you want to look at. Top 50 golf courses under £50. And the quality is unbelievable. Yeah, totally agree. Look, a lot of the attention and discussion around price points is on, as you say, the trophy courses because they are A, the most famous and B, the most expensive. I feel like you kind of, you have to expect to pay top dollar for them because they are yeah. the top. It's then the other ones that then feel like they're forced into playing catch-up or keeping pace with those courses that maybe put themselves in the wrong price point, some of them. Yeah. It's all about understanding what your golf course is, what it has to offer, yeah. it's and the, understanding your place in the market. It's the context of it. Like I, I want to take my wee boy to see Man United, right? You can't get tickets for Man What's United. What's done wrong? I know, sorry. You can't get to, you can't get tickets for Man United, right? That you, you, it's Supply not like demand. Rangers or Celtic. You just go into the tickets ticket office and there's a ticket there for thirty five pounds on a Saturday yeah. against Ross County. It doesn't work like that. Do you need to join some club or something? Then you, oh my god, I can't be bothered with this. And it's the like six months down the line. Blah blah blah. You can actually buy tickets from a corporate thing and certain games like they're playing somebody rubbish like Brentford. No offense to Brentford fans. But, yeah, you probably ought to delete that. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. Keep going. See where this goes. Does Ray plays for Brentford? Is there not an ex-Celtic player plays for Brentford? Christopher Iyer. Christopher Iyer. Yeah, somebody rubbish like Brentford. And you can get corporate for like 180 quid or something. Times two. I would pay that. Because I can guarantee that I'm going to get a ticket in a good seat. Movie boy will get to go to Old Trafford. And it's a treat. Like I'll get it for his birthday or something, and I'm not going to do it 
the following week as well. No. And I'm not going to do it again in September. It is a one-off. You go to Muirfield. It's an experience, not a habit. It's an experience. The, these guys are doing that. They're, they're the first time they've played there forever. Remember mm. we went to Trump International. I was playing, there was an American guy in front of us and he was playing by himself and he would have paid a fortune to play Trump. It's not cheap. And he had the time of his life. And off he was. He's not, he'll have never played that again. You know, that was three, four years ago. He wouldn't have been back. And that's the thing. It is a one-off experience. It's not, it's not like, our, our, it's hard to explain, but you're not doing it on a regular basis. And I get it, it is expensive, but this is the home of golf. It doesn't get any better than this. It's true. Honest. And to Kevin's initial point, is golf becoming an upper class sport? You're equating being really rich with being upper class, and I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. No, I don't think so. I've met an awful lot of new money people who I don't think Although upper I class did, is upper class. I was outside... Uh, the 19th hole was opposite Ely Golf Club and there was two guys in the restaurant at the time after the golf with red cords on. Ooh, that that never, never an appropriate time or no. occasion to wear those. I know, I did think that. Dave Reed asks, Australia's place in the new golf order. There are lots of good players, no top events except live in April in Adelaide. Where does Australia fit in? That's quite a good question. Yeah, I think there's always been that issue with Australia has always had, they used to have that trio of events like Aussie Open, Aussie PGA yeah, and Aussie Masters. They always used to do quite well, but you know, it's it's miles away. Let's be honest, it doesn't suit the DP world to be going there two, three times. Same with the PGA Tour, but there's no doubt it's got exceptional golf courses. Listen, if there's one tour that's got the money that can take advantage of that, it's live. And it may well, it's sold out, by the way, for Adelaide. Just as a, a point of fact. Da Capuccio, a couple more questions. Da, da Capuccio. Watching full swing and seeing the abuse Matt Fitzpatrick endured from the crowd as he played out his major win, does the USA need to address the wanker element in their patrons? Now, you've not seen this episode yet, yeah. so it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but Matt Fitzpatrick, I didn't hear it at the time, and it was only watching full swing that I got a sense of it. He got dog's abuse from some people in the crowd. But what can you do about it? Nothing. All sports events now are plagued by morons who are tanked up on lager or Bud Light or whatever. I mean, you have to really drink a lot of Bud Light. Yeah, to be Michelob Ultra. Yeah, yeah. Coors Light. So no, I, I, I don't see it as a huge issue unless they're chucking things on them. I just Part and parcel? Yeah. It's not anything new either. It's major sports. There's nothing new. There's rowdy crowds, but my word, sports event has rowdy crowd. You know, it doesn't really bother me. Finally, Tom Reed, why do the tours think it's good to have 234-yard par threes? I don't think it's particularly entertaining watching the elite coming up short or bouncing through the back even when they landed 10 yards short of the green. He adds, none of the best par threes in golf are long holes. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. I think they do it because they know that it'll just get ripped to bits. But then, do you make the greens too quick? Or the problem is they're all too good. And if you look at par threes, like if you look at Augusta, look at the twelfth from Augusta, like sixty years ago, it looks absolutely nothing. It's not even the same it's hole. Not the same. It's not the same hole. You know, we've argued about the the road hole bunker being different. We've argued about the postage stamps changed quite a bit through the years. You know, there's not, there's no. It really comes down to the design. Like the 11th at St Andrews, the par 3, that's an absolutely brilliant 
hole, no matter whether, no matter the 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 distance, it's not hugely long, but it's very, very difficult. I think it really comes down to the design. The problem is a lot of the courses that they play in the PG Tour are all kind of similar. They're mm. all identicals. Yeah. So I think there's not too much design philosophy getting into it. That's a sound, that's too broad a generalisation, maybe. But no, when it comes I, to part threes, I, I do broadly agree. I, I think that you know one thing I remember Podrick Harrington telling me this on the range at Wentworth about ten years ago, when the distance debate was really hotting up. I was talking to him about it, and he said, "Look, one thing that doesn't scare any professional golfer is length. He says there are ways to make a golf course tougher, and length is probably the last of them." So in terms of difficulty and toughening up and tricking up a golf course, long par threes, there's got to be more to it than just the number of yards. And I think too often long par threes don't have anything except distance. Put it this way, name me one good par three that's over 200 yards off the top of your head. I know they exist, but name one. I have no idea, honestly. But name me a short good par three. I know. You could go forever. I know. Which they're is, more fun and they're yeah. more more fun to watch. I do I do think long par threes actually suck the fun out of getting a birdie on a, on a par three. Yeah, because they're just they're slogs. Yep. It's not fun. It's a three and a half a lot of them, isn't it? I know. More than anything else. Anyway, thank you for your questions. Very good. Very insightful. We may have more in future episodes. We'll see. See how it goes. We'll discuss this in our in our regular debrief for the episode, which obviously we have every single week. Shall we get to Podder of Merit, please? Piss off. Last week, the Genesis Invitational. You went with Sam Burns. You were very confident about Sam Burns' chances, and he missed the cut. Sam Burns would be playing well. Cruising along, top tens, nice. And then... Top ten? Splash. Really? I think so, yeah. Those you looked that up, which you probably should have done last week when you were picking him. I went for Max Homer, who uh, finished, as we know, second to John Ram. I was very excited there for a while because he was leading from the off, wasn't he? He shot a, a 64 in day one. And I thought, here we go. This is it. Lightning is striking twice. But I'll take it. I'll take the point as it stands. Bryce won Michael four. There is daylight, Mr. Ritchie. He'd won top 10. It was it was six at the Phoenix. Yeah, very different golf course. And he was 11th the week before. You willing to accept wasn't your best pick? No, not at all. He was, okay. he was a blooming top 10. His worst finish in the last two weeks was 11th. <laughs> His worst Still finish in the last pick. two weeks. <laughs> Jesus. Still an informed player. Yeah, and then he lost it by missing the cut. He was a combined 33 under par. What's John Ram? Well, he won. What's Max Homer? Well, he didn't hit a green in yeah. the back nine. So, doesn't matter, I got the point. 4-1, how do you feel? Beaten already? Fine. Interested by the discussion that Homer's fearful of big events. Who's didn't, saying that? Didn't everyone? Didn't really turn up in the back nine at all. I think he hit one of six fairways. He hit one one of eight greens on the back nine and just collapsed. I was like, I don't really get that because his record's quite good there and he was annoyed that he he didn't get to win in front of a crowd. I thought his emotion was genuine. I thought he was absolutely gutted. But it's a bit harsh. Don't I don't think there's a big enough body of evidence yet to no, suggest that Max Homer so. can't no. close out tournaments. That's just no big ball. tournaments. It was like when he's on the spotlight. I think that's what a yeah, few well, people even, were saying. Even less of a body of evidence then. Well, his major record's not great. So how many has he played? I think people are being very harsh. Yeah, very harsh. 
Anyway, this week it is the Honda Classic. Is this the last year of the Honda Classic? Probably, yeah. It's not an elevated event, so not as good a field. Only two players in the world's top 20 taking part this week. It's my honour. And I am going to go for... Sung JM. So, let me give you my rationale. Since the start of 2020, Sung JM tied 13th Tournament of Champions. Sony Open, missed the cut, fine. The American Express, tied 18th. Farmers, tied 4th. Phoenix, tied 5th. And Genesis last week, not this best week, tied 56th. This guy doesn't take a week off. And he doesn't do breaks, does he? Doesn't he doesn't do breaks. And I think he's going to enjoy the fact that he is one of the men to beat in the field this week. So, hasn't got a huge record when it comes to winning on the PGA Tour. What's he got? Like two wins. Uh, I think the most recent of those, October 21. But this is the week that changes, Bryce. And not only will he win me the point, he's going to win me two points. Who yeah. are you picking? We'll see. We'll see. He's going to have to beat Matt Kutcher. I'm picking Matt Kutcher. Okay. Laugh all you want. I mean, uh, I am, but explain your logic behind that. I think I gave a fairly robust explanation was, for Sungjae. He had a brilliant tied third at the QBE shootout. That, the, the off-season major. Yep. Uh, well, it's the major. <laughs> uh, seventh at the Sony. Missed the cut at the AT&T, because that's weather's in the course. It's pitching but it doesn't matter. 32nd at Phoenix, and he was eighth at Genesis. Probably in a wee bit of form, and... It's not got the greatest field, the Honda, and I just wonder whether he'll be interested to yep. put in a bit of a performance. You're not tempted by Billy Horschel, for example? I did think about him, but he's not playing well enough, mm-hmm. and he's a bit up and down. Putting on those greens as well, because they're back on, is it Bermuda grass this week? I, I, there's for, something about, yeah. I, I, I don't know about Billy Horschel, I think he's a great player, but I just can't put my money on him putting. I just look at that putting stroke and I think, God, what's what are the issues? Mm-hmm. Remind me your pick, Matt Kutcher, definitely. Matt Kutcher. Kutch. Okay. And I'm going with Sungjae. <laughs> so it's 5-1 to me. <laughs> Potentially 6. No, 4-1 as it stands going into this week. We'll finish up Honesty Box. This question. You know I love my tenuous links, Bryce. You were born with one. Last weekend at the Arsenal-Aston Villa game, I don't know if you noticed, but Tom Hanks was I in attendance. That. He was cheering on the villa. Woody from Toy Story and all that sort of stuff. So that got me thinking. I mean, I'm looking at that going, that is as random as it gets. And it got me thinking, who is the most random celeb or famous <laughs> face that you have seen at a golf tournament? Yeah, I was watching <laughs> I was watching Sky Sports. Was it, there was a match on and it was like an hour before you were there like an hour build up and they brought on Will Ferrell and he was at some he was just at the game he's been to every game recently it feels like yeah it's absolutely brilliant maybe he's looking to buy a club like Ryan Reynolds yeah I was obviously it's terrible but I was at the Masters and I was standing at the right hand side of the third fairway the year Rory was was it with Playing the last round with Spieth. And I think Rory, he missed his eagle putt in the second, but got his birdie. That was with Patrick Reed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He missed his eagle putt, but got his birdie. And he was teeing off in the third. And 
I was stand. I was no. He was, he was walking off the green, and was a, and there was a bit of a cheer, but it wasn't a hugely loud cheer. So he didn't, he didn't get the ego. And the guy next to me said, "You know what happened there?" And, and I and I didn't even look at him, and I just said, "I think he's got his birthday, but he's missed the ego." And he had an Irish accent, and I just I didn't really see. I just kind of looked at him, and I just blah blah blah. I carried on waiting for Rory to get his tee shot in the third, and and he got quite intense and he started asking me another question and we ended up in a conversation with him I realised it was James Nesbitt <laughs> James Nesbitt the actor what, from Cold Feet yeah my god but he was I mean I can't tell you he was a hundred percent invested in Rory really yeah like big stuff he was following him everything he was determined he was really invested he was watching his you know everything about his walk he was talking about it and I thought fair play he was yeah. really really keen genuinely um, into it but I realised yeah, I mean, I don't know any of the films he's in or whatever, but he's obviously quite well known. Has James actor. Nesbitt been in a film? Don't know. All I can think of him from is Cold Feet. Now I know he's been in other stuff Never as well, that. but never seen that. Mm. So James Nesbitt, yeah. There you go. Twenty fourteen Ryder Cup. I'm going to take you back there, Glen Eagles, sauntering along. So everybody, <laughs> hell yeah, they were all inside the ropes. Well, that's my point because Charlie Adam. Can I just tell is? the story? <laughs> Is that who it is? That is your weird celebrity. <laughs> He's a footballer, not a celebrity. He's a celebrity. He's not I a said, celebrity. I said celeb or He's, famous face. It's not even a famous face. Ah, yes. That's unfair. Charlie Adam played for Liverpool, played for Blackpool, played for Razors, played for Reading, played Christ. for Dundee. And I remember though, I was... Bear in mind, we were at that event and we weren't bothered about the website that much because it was still kind of new and we did a story at the end of the day, but most of the time we were out watching the golf. Yes. And at one point I realised, I can't see what's going on over there because A, I'm small and B, there was lots of people, as you rightly say, inside the ropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was up on your shoulders and I still couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, stand on your tiptoes. <laughs> Can you see him now, son? <laughs> Like one of those periscope things. <laughs> but I, I couldn't see a thing and I was just getting more and more pissed off by it. And then I realised the person that was blocking my view was Charlie Adam. Yeah. And listen, he shouldn't have been there. No, none of them should be. But it's Charlie Adam. I like I the think, guy. He's a good bloke. I think I counted, was it in the second hole that year? I think I counted some like 194, 196 people inside the ropes. Really? Yeah. That many? Yep. It was absolutely ridiculous the amount of people inside the ropes at the Ryder Cup because they just give everybody passes. All the media can basically go where they want. And you go to Augusta, there's inside the ropes. Nobody. They usually have a referee. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. There might be somebody with a scoreboard. That's it. Yep. Looks so much better though. Oh, of course it does. It's just clean. Yeah. You don't need... And they, they prove that you don't need to be in the ropes. And I've always thought the thing about even journalists being inside the ropes, Augusta proves that you don't need to be inside the ropes. And I know there's a big thing that, oh, really, I need to get a badge. And no, you don't, because Augusta proves that. You don't see, ever see anyone at Augusta saying, I watched Xander play, you know, the, the first six holes, but to be honest, I can't really tell you what he did because I wasn't inside the ropes and I couldn't really see it. Depends on the piece you're doing. I, I don't totally disagree, but depending on the piece that you're doing, context, colour, you can only really get a full perspective of that, I think, and see everything you need to see 
from that position, as long as you're not taking the piss and just going in there for the sake of it, as some people Which do. Which they do all the time. But I should add, I've only ever done it once. And that was when, again, I was doing a colour piece on Greg Norman in 2008 at the Open. And I got called by a woman who was, I think, 10 sheets to the wind, a freeloading, and it begins with C. Oh, that's nice. I must come to Royal Burkdale more often. A freeloading child? You're not that small. I asked this, that's three times now in this one episode. I asked this question on our Facebook page. Some of the answers are great. Mark Bone said that he saw Formula One driver Alan Jones, never heard of him, at the 1977 Open at Turnberry. For goodness sake. My dad was connecting his motorhome to the water supply and he gave me a signed poster. Leon McGreedy, Bruce Forsyth almost ran me over and his golf cart at the Wentworth BMW a few years ago. David Chalmers, you'll like this. Henrik Larsson, Mark Reaper, and another Scandinavian player. His name All is legends. At the 2000 Open at St Andrews. Larsson was at the 2000 Open? Yes. If he'd played, he could have won it. He yeah. was that good. <laughs> Andy Benson. I once had a pish next to Billy Bob Thornton at St Andrews. Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> pish. And one of my Angelina had, Jolie's ex. Fancy, one of my pals had, had uh, a pee next to Eminem in a nightclub toilet in Glasgow. Eminem? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Bizarre. What else have we got here? Some brilliant answers. Eric Sutherland. Now, this one stood out for obvious reasons, so you'll get in a second. Bill Murray has played at our club, Strumness in Orkney. Really? Now, I'm from Orkney, and this is news to me. I think I find it's pronounced Stromness. Strumness. Actually. That was a joke. <laughs> Don't trigger me. <laughs> Do not trigger me. It's actually Strumness. Yes, correct. Except we pronounce it Strumness. Strumness. James Bald. Not at a golf event, but I saw Iona Stephen in Waitrose. <laughs> James, that's creepy. And as long as you weren't within 50 yards. Oh goodness, I saw Iona Stephen in Waitrose. This is my favourite. Oh David McCarry. Shania Twain was at the 2005 Scottish Open at Loch Lomond. No, she wasn't. I was following Martin Lefebvre and Tim Clark round, and she was sitting in the shade. That's hard to say, by the no, way. No, she wasn't. Under a tree at the 16th with her man and a few others. Mutt Lange. Who's no longer her husband, is that right? I think he was then. Yeah. Like one of the world's most fa- produced back in black, Def Leppard's Hysteria, Brian Adams, Waking Up in the Neighbours. He's like one of the most famous. No way was Mutt Lange and Shania Twain at the Scottish Open. Apparently. Paul Prescott, I saw Tom Cruise at Lytham in 2001. No, you didn't. They're just making it up. Well, you say that. Uh, Kevin McHugh, again, I bumped into James Nesbitt. Are you two the same person (laughs) at this point? Same back problems. Now, this is one that I really want to know more about, though, right? This this just jumped out a mile. Gordon Watson said that he saw Norm from Cheers at White Craig's Golf Club in Glasgow. Norm from Cheers? The The, bigger guy with the curly hair. Tubby guy. Your words. And then Ian Shaw backs it up. And they didn't let him on as he was dressed inappropriately. Now, I, I need more details, guys. Ian, yeah. Gordon, get in touch. That's let good. us know the circumstances. At White How Craig's. did Norm end up at White Craig's? White Craig's and they didn't let him on. Very strange. David Ballantyne saw Kurt Russell at the Open in 1991. Awesome. He's married to Goldie Hawn, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the, the most recent film is The Santa Chronicles. <laughs> 
You are joking me. <laughs> yeah, it's a good film, actually. Okay. And Billy Hutton didn't provide any words, didn't provide any context, didn't say where it was, although I think I can see in the background. He just sent, I'm going to show this to you, this picture of Daniel O'Donnell at what, <laughs> appear, <laughs> at what appears to be the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles. My guess. Daniel was, O'Donnell? Yes. He, yeah, you can see it on his lanyard, the 2014 Ryder Cup. Daniel O'Donnell. Your grand's favourite. Is he still going? He's still making music, probably. Do you know Do there's you, a weird thing about Irish country, the Irish country scene? I did not Irish know. country music. It's this, go on to the channels, there's like, there's a weird channel on Sky where you can watch, and it kicks in about nine o'clock at night. And there's the, the videos are the weirdest videos you've ever seen, but it's proper, like, country music but well, sometimes oh, sing right. it in okay. Irish accents and stuff and they sing about their tractor and and like my, my daddy made my tractor and I've blah 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 and I'm going to raise the sheep and stuff and it's they, they, they take it seriously <laughs> so, so if there's anyone listening in Ireland that can explain to me <laughs> the country music scene there because it's like it's not a joke they're, like, they're being quite serious about it and I think I, I'm missing something because I like my country music, but you don't like that. Country I don't music like the though, Irish country music. There's something not right about it. It's, it's like they've weird. looked at what the Americans do and they said, right, so they're singing about their trucks. What could we say about a tractor? Yeah, it's the weirdest thing, and they have a lot of the their videos are filmed at gigs, and everyone's sitting down, and no. everyone at the gig is over seventy-five. And it's just so Daniel the, O'Donnell's audience. Daniel basically. O'Donnell, yeah. I'm still waiting on the Daniel O'Donnell rap album. Yeah, that would be quite good. Yeah. It's amazing he's still going. Yeah. Need to find out if he plays golf. Let's get him involved. Let's get Daniel. In fact, let's get Daniel, let's get Daniel O'Donnell on the podcast. Well, you can't say f it for no. a start because he's not going to come on if you speak like that, Michael. It's a good point. Daniel, if you're listening, get in touch. Send us a DM. Brilliant. And, and we can... will plug your latest album, whatever it is. We'll even play it. Let's see. Let's see if I can find a Daniel O'Donnell album. He'll be on, I think he's on Apple Music. Mm. Daniel O'Donnell oh, there he is Daniel O'Donnell let's find out who his latest single is I Wish You Well the deluxe edition <laughs> look at the, name, the names of these songs <laughs> oh, there's a song called You Only Have One Mom and Dad yeah that's, that's, that's true I'll Never Fill My Father's Shoes My Donegal Shore Stand Beside Me I Wish You Well the ultimate collection. So Daniel O'Donnell, we've gone down a real rabbit hole here, but he is 61, right? Daniel O'Donnell golf. Daniel O'Donnell likes his golf. Does he? The Irish independent. A quick 18 with Daniel O'Donnell. Right, that is it. I'm now making one. it my mission to get Daniel O'Donnell on the podcast. I know, if but anybody the, the, knows the problem is we, need, touch. we also need to cater for our audience, and I'm not sure anyone listening wants to hear... 20 minutes for Daniel O'Donnell. Who knows? Well, let's try it. Let's get another demographic. Let's bring in the Blue Rinse The problem brigade. is that demographic will be dead in five years. We'll be at a job. It's a good point. It's a very good point. I think he'd be good value. Yeah, true. But Could be. we'll see. If anyone knows how to get in touch with him, get in touch with us, slide into our DMs, and we'll take it from there. Brilliant. 
Bryce, thank you very much for your time, as always. Thank you to Callaway for your continued support and thank you to you for listening. We hope to see as many of you as possible at Bunker Live this weekend. Do not forget the NEC in Birmingham, Friday through to Sunday, bunkerlive.com for tickets. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.